You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Okay, Mary, I want you to riddle this out with me. The reports are now, and I, actually, I saw this report in Al Jazeera, and I, I say that only because maybe that gives a little more credibility. It appears that the United States is now evacuating about 9,000 people a day. They're sending out a set of flights every hour. Uh, they obviously are first, uh, you know, American citizens. It appears that there were about 1,400 that they got out right away, and now they're reaching out to others. This is going to go on, from what we can tell, till August 31st, so about 14 days from now. And let's just, for the sake of rounding, make it 10,000 a day. It's just a little bit less than that. That would say 130 to 140,000 people get evacuated before the United States leaves. I, I tell you, I, I have no direct knowledge of it, but how many translators were there? I, <laughs> I mean, seriously. It's not just a translator. Oh, really? Am so I missing a lot of people? Yes. So the translators, their families, people who worked for NGOs, non-governmental organizations, women's rights groups. I think they're trying to get on a lot of like uh, women leaders, women teachers, you know, people who supported the U.S. effort, or I also get the impression people who um, listened to the promises we made about a free and open country and then would be seen as, um, you know, dangerous to the um, Taliban groupthink of Sharia law. That's my impression. Yeah, You don't think 140,000 would kind of cover that? I, I do. I, I think that that number is, is at the large, at the greatest possible, the maximum number, because one of the, some of the reports are that while we might have the capability to take that many people out a day, they still have to get to the airport and the Taliban have checkpoints and they aren't necessarily letting all those people in. I did hear today though, um, director and he said one positive thing is it's not it does not appear to be at this point a bloodbath so the taliban may be wise in a way to say let these people go let all these instead of just killing people let them get out of the country so we don't have a, a a natural opposition and we also don't give the united states and its allies, any reason to come back in. So, you know, I would guess 100,000 people probably sounds like a lot and maybe more than we'll be getting out of there. But today, one flight took off with because people could go to the airport. So I don't think it's going to be as smooth. That's what I think we think of when we think of nine to 10,000 people a day. But whether that's going to be the consistent number, it's very hard to say. I do think it's interesting, though, that already last night, Tucker Carlson, in only the way he can, was like, okay, now all those people are going to come into this war so he can bring more, 
you know, brown people over here ultimately to be voters. And I thought, wow, that just didn't take long, did it? That was his <laughs> plan all along. Oh, no. You go out and you get people from shithole country, countries <laughs> with brown skin. And who knows, one of them someday may claim to be an American citizen and be elected president. That's oh, what happens. That's what happens. I just thought that that was so... No, amusing is the wrong word, but it's like, wow, it just doesn't take long from get to from point A to point crazy because the um, pressure on the Biden administration, particularly from the military and people who served in Afghanistan to get these folks out of there is really immense. And I do think to the extent that they can do that, that will mitigate a lot of the negative coverage that they're currently getting. Well, I think it will, too. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go a little bit further. I think if we are six months from now, less than that, we're coming up to Christmas and the end of the year. If Joe Biden has gotten us out of Afghanistan and brought with him, whatever, 100,000 people, uh, certainly not saved all the women of Afghanistan. We can't do that. But we're not hearing stories of translators and others being stuck there. Uh, I think this all swings to his benefit. I think a lot of people say, you know what? Uh, we kind of didn't like it at the beginning, but actually Biden did the right job there. He did the right thing and the long-term consequences are good. That's true. But the one thing that I heard today that made a lot of sense, and I thought to myself, why would they have not taken this into account? But if you have even a small force there and you have a relatively friendly government in place, I mean, you don't have the Taliban in charge of the government, you have some ears on the ground for what's happening in terrorist circles, for lack of a better way to describe it. And now, in a sense, that goes dark. So I wonder, you know, just in terms of the strategic decision that was made that we don't get enough intelligence out of that. It's not worth staying in that part of the world to kind of figure out um, what the crazies are doing next or the terrorists or the U.S. haters. I don't know, but a really, really interesting point. Um, are, you, are you at all persuaded by the argument that says we don't belong in terms of a military force in countries that don't want us there? Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's true. And um, I think for much of Afghanistan, they didn't want us there. Obviously, women who wanted a different kind of life or any people who wanted the arts and, you know, like a more liberal democracy, uh, they wanted and needed the United States in there to thrive. But the problem is, is that that kind of a world couldn't thrive there on its own, right? I mean, that's, so I guess your question is, the majority of people didn't want us there, or at least they weren't willing to fight for us. For They weren't willing to fight for that form of not just government, but society. So what's the point of us being there? There's plenty, plenty of countries in the world that we could be in to enforce um, a more Western democratic way of viewing the world. But that's not our job, is it? Well, I don't think so, because, I, you know, 
if we are going to send military because women are being denied rights and a role in the governance and children are being abused, that means send the armed forces to the Vatican. Let's invade the Catholic Church. <laughs> wow. Wow, I just didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like Saudi Arabia or something like that. <laughs> Okay, maybe not the best example, but, you know, it does go to the point. And, you know, I know you raised the point yesterday. Many people raised the point. We keep troops in Japan, Germany, and so forth. That feels to me like such a totally different question. We are not militarily engaged against the people of Germany or against some group uh, within in Germany. I guess it's a reasonable question uh, why this long after the Second World War uh, we have to stay in place? You know, I think there are good answers. Uh, China is a military threat. The South Korean and the Japanese governments are interested, actively interested in us being there. It just does not feel like the same situation, even as a 2,500-person uh, uh, force in Afghanistan. No, and and the thing is, if there had been progress towards stabilizing that region of the world and us being there was part of that progress, then I think you probably could make the argument. I'm sure that when the United States stayed in Korea, it wasn't like, okay, the mass unit leaves and everybody's happy in the United States that the military stays there. I'm assuming there were counterinsurgencies, there was instability. But over time, the strategic geopolitical reason to be there became clear as that part of the world calmed down. Japan, I'm assuming that's why the troops are still in Japan, too, because and, and Japan cannot raise its own army. So, of course, they want us there because, you know, we're doing their work for them. Why we're still in Germany, you know, that's a that's probably NATO support. I, I don't even really know. You can tell I'm just like spitballing here and all are good questions and you know to trump and in to trump's credit he did raise those issues and i think people did think yeah why do we still have troops in germany and and maybe you after a long discussion go yeah we we should be there we should be in japan i think the calculation made on afghanistan is you can be in Afghanistan another hundred years and you're not changing anything. And I was, thought it was interesting yesterday when Biden um, said, as people have said, that um, Afghanistan is where empires go to die, right? And that was true of the British. It was true of Russia. And, you know, could that have been true of the United States, too, if we continue to put so much money in there? And our reasons for being there were so questionable. I think it's very, very complicated. And what's true about this moment, John, is that Biden make a, made a decision. A lot of people don't like it, but that's why he's paid to do that job. You know, I'm, I'm really struck because it, it always amazes me when the Republicans try and come up with a response or a reaction. Now, the one you mentioned from Tucker is classic, but Tucker's got a special kind of genius for for this <laughs> kind of thing. The other guy I look to who is a special type of stupid, I think, is Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey says, 
that it was just awful listening to Joe Biden as he tried to shift the blame to everybody, everybody else. There were things an honest person could criticize about Biden's speech and about the decision. Shifting the blame to other people, that just wasn't there. Joe Biden just directly said, I made the call. I continue to make the call. I stick by it. Yes, we were wrong about this this part of it. But it, it's like sometimes I think Lindsay and the other Republicans sit around and say, does anybody have an idea? And they said, no, I maybe we could go with like he was shifting the blame. Okay, that works. Let's try that. What the hell? Well, well I think it's our, you know, um, reflexive tribalism that causes that. Meaning if he's done it, it's got to be wrong, you know. And, you know, we always were cautious about that with Trump, right? Saying just because Trump did it, did it make it wrong? A lot of times it was, but you, you know, a thoughtful person steps back and says, okay, I didn't like the decision, but he had the right to make it. And, you know, did I think there were points where, where Biden was, you know, maybe a better way than shifting. He did acknowledge that in the kitchen, including Bush, Obama, and he was there at the time, and Trump, including the chicken president of Afghanistan who left. You know, it's not as if Biden, everybody else was a good actor and Biden was a bad actor. And I think he did say that, at least I heard that. But the point was, is he made a decision but he didn't make the decision in the vacuum, right? I mean, because Trump had signed that agreement that, you know, we would leave in May. And he he had kept that decision. I don't know. To, I go back to my thought about this. It's so complicated. And you it's hard to have a black and white opinion about what's happened. Because when you're an imperial power, which the United States is, can be, and has been, then you have to ultimately take responsibility for the consequences of invading another country. And that's what we're living with today. And I just hope that the next time some Cheney-like person is in the White House, we remember this, because we didn't remember Vietnam when we went into Afghanistan and Iran, despite the fact that people told us Remember Vietnam? Yep. And I hate to think 20 or 30 years from now, the same thing is going to be happening again. They're going to be saying, remember Afghanistan? Oh, it's different this time. Yeah, it absolutely is. It is, you know, you mentioned before that the challenge in Kabul right now is for people is getting to the airport. Boy, those of us who live in Chicago can really feel that. If you try, <laughs> if you try and take the Kennedy tonight and get out to O'Hare, you know the problems that they're going through. That's really wrong. That's too soon to make jokes. So wrong. I was <laughs> going to say, different in a big, big way. Yeah. All right, John. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.